it's important to do the work internally. It's important to set aside the idea that all law firm practice is going to be the same way and then really trying to seek out the places that align with the work that you've done with yourself. You are more than a lawyer. You are a powerhouse. Welcome to Powerhouse Lawyers. I'm your host, Erin Gurner, a former lawyer, wife, mom, entrepreneur, and coach. And I'm here to show you what's possible. So if you're ready, let's go. Hi, welcome back to the show. So I wanted, before we get into today's guest, I wanted to just kind of share with you guys. Um, this weekend, I went to go see some girlfriends. They were in um, a previous job that I had, a previous company that I had. They were all getting together for a convention this past weekend in town, and I couldn't go because my daughter had a bunch. It was homecoming here, and we had a bunch of other plans, so we couldn't go. But I really wanted to see these women because obviously they're my dear friends and they were all in town. And so I got up on Sunday morning and drove into Dallas to go to see them. Um, and as I walk into the restaurant, I ironically also see my very first beta client that um, I haven't seen her in probably over two years since I started coaching, but she was my very, very first coaching client. And I remember like starting to work with her and it was the very first time where I had been like, okay, I'm taking the action. I want to coach. I want to build this business. I'm pivoting. I'm betting on myself. I know that this is the direction that I want to go. And so here we go. And she was my first client. And so it was just this very full circle moment. And she's not even a lawyer, which is the ironic thing. Like I hadn't even started coaching lawyers when I was coaching her. Um, But it was just a really full circle moment to know and just see all of the small action steps that I've taken over the last two and a half years that have led me to where I am and the willingness and the openness to be able to pivot. And it's ironic because um, you're going to hear from our next guest and she is the queen of pivoting. And it just kind of seemed appropriate to share that with you guys. So if you're in a season where, I don't know, pivoting seems hard or you're unsure or you're just in a place of just... I don't know, just unsureness, just know that that little bit of clarity and a little bit of action every single day moving towards your vision is going to pay off. And that openness and that willingness to pivot and to fail and to get up again is is ultimately going to result in where you want to be. It may not be the path that you thought it was going to look like. It may not be the way you thought it was going to go. But if you get up and you still take, you're still taking action and you are recognizing what your values are, where you're going, what your vision is about, you're going to, you're going to get there. Um, and so I'm excited for you to hear from our guest. And um, so we'll just, we'll turn it over to her. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am so excited to have my dear friend Seagal Barnes on the show today. We connected over LinkedIn, which is my most favorite place to connect with other powerhouse lawyers. And we had the most amazing, fun conversation just over Zoom, immediately connected and just resonated so much with each other. And I knew I had to have her on the show. So she is the 
chief storyteller at Lawline, the leading provider of online legal education and professional development training. She's a subject matter expert on all things, including ed tech, professional development, strategic planning, wellness, and leadership. She's also the host of the amazing podcast, The Lawyers Who Lead podcast. And prior to this, she was actually Lawline's COO, where she spearheaded a nationwide expansion of learning and growth development programs to over 1 million attorneys and accountants. That's incredible. And before joining Lawline, she um, litigated civil claims and landlord-tenant proceedings. And my most favorite thing is this is a little bit of personal, personal information. She is an avid jazz lover. Uh, she loves video games, asking questions, which is why we totally jive, and spicy food. She's also fluent in Hebrew, um, has two darling children, enjoys playing the guitar, and loves to have dance parties. So, I mean, if there's no there's no one better to have on the show today. So welcome so much. Thank you so much for coming. Wow, Erin, thank you so much for that amazing intro. I really appreciate it. I feel the same way about you. I think you're such a wonderful human being, and I'm just really excited to be invited on here. So much fun. Okay, well, that I always say we should wake up in the morning and have someone read our bio to us. Like, I just feel like that would be such an amazing way to just wake up and you just be ready to just totally kill it for the day and be like, yes, read my bio to me. I love that idea. That I am I such that. a powerhouse. So that was the Reader's Digest version of where you have traveled over this law life. But I would love if you would bring our listeners kind of back to the beginning, talk about going to law school and a little bit about your journey that led you to where you are today. Whew, okay. Um, so I actually started law school um, at Toro Law, uh, which I actually don't share a lot with people, but I actually started my law school career at Toro Law in Long Island um, and transferred out of that to Cardozo Law. So I did very well in my first year and transferred to Cardozo um, because they had a fantastic intellectual property program and I was very excited to go to the school. Um, did my three years there, or did my two and a half years there, uh, and then graduated, passed the bar in both New York and New Jersey. But I graduated in a really tough time, 2010. There was a recession, there were no jobs, and everyone was struggling to figure out what they needed to do in order to get a job. If you weren't in the top, you know, two or three percent, you were kind of not getting in a big law job. And um, I started looking for jobs um, diligently during the summer as I was studying for the bar, which, as you can imagine, was pretty stressful. Uh, landed a job in landlord-tenant law. Um, and it was a really tough position because of the market. I did not get paid very well. I was $35,000 a year coming out of law school with over $200,000 in debt. Um, but I took it because it was the only job I could get. Um, and gained a lot of experience during that time, but ultimately knew that I needed to grow. Um, ended up moving to another firm where I ended up doing contract work for a larger law firm in tax lien foreclosure. And both of these areas were not things I wanted to do. I mean, they were so far removed from intellectual property law in all of the ways. I also felt uh, very concerned that law firm life in general was not for me. It was a really difficult time for me culturally. I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I had a lot of support. And so I started to look elsewhere. That is when I found Lawline. Uh, Lawline had so many of the aspects that I was looking for in an organization, including feeling belonging, feeling 
like I was someone that could be a valuable asset to the team, that my ideas were really valued um, and paid more. So I went with Lawline and that was 11 years ago and I have been there ever since. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. So tell us a little bit about Lawline and why you why, well, first of all, I guess I would actually like to dial it back before even we learn about Lawline. I would love to know what your mindset was during this time of looking for a job and also in a difficult legal market, knowing that you weren't exactly where you wanted to be. So what was the mindset as you were going through this and, um, and then being open to taking um, a job at Lawline? Yeah, you know, I think that... And this is kind of a theme that happened to me a lot in my life is I continue to tell myself a specific story to help me get to the next milestone. So actually, when I was in college, all I wanted to do was become a writer. And then when I graduated or when I was towards graduating from college, everyone was like, you're not going to make a lot of money that way. How are you going to make a living? Um, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to law school and I'm going to represent the writers. And that will help me very much still stay connected to really what I ultimately wanted to do. And so I did that. But then, you know, the recession and unable to find intellectual property jobs, I said to myself, you know what? Um, I can't do intellectual property, but I can still help other people. And so um, I will just get as much litigation experience as I can. And then ultimately, maybe I can get back into intellectual property litigation. And so that was the story I told myself when I went into landlord and tenant law and specifically litigating, you know, 30, 40 cases a day. Over time, though, that story got harder and harder for me to believe. And I started to realize how far removed I was from my initial love of writing. When I started to think about what to do about that, I didn't really feel like there was another option for me in the legal world. And so I started to look law adjacent. And I found so many different opportunities that I think were, I mean, I think it's a lot more common now to know what those opportunities are, but I, that was not a conversation that was happening in law schools and career development. And I just had to do a lot of my own research and I found, wow, there are a lot of ways in which I can actually use my legal degree. I can also continue to write. And, um, and that was kind of the thought process. So I started looking at various legal publications I started looking in various legal education companies, um, and I found that I found Lawline that way. And what I particularly liked about Lawline was I actually found them through LinkedIn, which 11 years ago was not as commonly used as it is today. And they were just so upfront about their core values, which was not something, again, that was talked about as often and definitely wasn't being talked about in the, in the law firm or the legal practice world. And in addition to that, they talked really deeply about growth. They talked really deeply about everyone having a voice. And so that's what really attracted me because I was I realized that those were all the things that I was looking for, but I wasn't getting. So it was tough because I had a lot of um, pushback. People were like, you spent so much money on law school and now you're going to leave the practice? Uh, you haven't been practicing for even that long, only two years. What are you doing? This is a huge mistake. And for the first time in a long time, I said, no, this is right for me. I know what I need to do. I need to go back to what I originally felt. And I needed to make this more about less about money and more about what I needed to feel fulfilled. And Lawline did that for me. And so I, I really stuck to that. Like, what is my core instinct telling me? 
where along the lines did I not listen to it? And how do I make sure that I learn from that now? That is so impactful. And I just want our listeners to really, because that is what I pick up from you is the willingness to be open-minded and to pivot and to change. And I think we come out of law school. In fact, I know that we do on, on one path and going in one direction. Yes. And there's nobody there to tell us that there are other options, or at least in my case there, I did not have a community. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody kind of guiding the way for me. And it kind of sounds like you were figuring it out yourself as well. Right. Absolutely. I I mean, 100%. I also did not have mentors. I didn't have, I had some friends, but uh, not really a community. I also, the biggest influences my, in my life were my, my parents who were immigrants and were just like, you got to make money. Like we didn't have money. You got to make money and you got to support yourself and you have to make a living. And that was priority number one, which is understandably so because that's the struggle that they had. But uh, yeah, I just needed to start thinking outside, like you said, outside of the box and start really being aware of my thoughts and where things were coming from and what was helping inform the decisions I was making. And then thinking deeply about how I can change some of those things to make sure that I was getting what I needed. And that's so important because I think the quality of your life reflects the quality of the questions that you ask yourself. Um, And so I just think that's so important for anyone who's listening, who's maybe sitting in a job that does not feel aligned to them or is sitting in a career that does not feel aligned to them. These are really important questions to start asking yourself. What are your core values? What is important to you? Why did you start this career to begin with? And then get, once you're clear on those, then you can start taking action steps from that space. But unless you let yourself ask those questions, you're never going to be able to think outside of the box. Lawyers are incredibly talented people. Your law degree is like this wicked tool that we can use to do all kinds of stuff. I, I agree. And I think even if you're someone that's not Uh, necessarily ready to leave the law practice, but still wants to better understand that. I think one of the biggest barriers is that all law firms and all legal practice is this way. It's very tough. It's it's culturally difficult. Um, And what I've found, and I'm sure what you've found, is talking to a lot of different types of lawyers and different types of law practices, there are places out there that are changing. There are places out there that can align more with your core values. But yes, you have to identify them first. And then you have to be diligent about interviewing those places as much as they're interviewing you to see if they're aligning with them. They're not just saying that they're embodying a certain value, but instead are really doing those things. And there's various ways that you can identify that. But I think it is, it's it's important to do the work internally. It's important to set aside the idea that all law firm practice is going to be the same way, and then really trying to seek out the places that align with the work that you've done with yourself. And absolutely. And that can be from peers, other mentors, people who are doing what you're doing, a coach, you know, any of those, there's so many places you can go to actually get counsel for these questions. If you find yourself at a roadblock saying like, okay, well, I really did love this storytelling in the English that I did in college, but I'm not really sure how to navigate that. Who do I know 
that has done something similar? Who do I know that is working in that industry? What questions, like what other information do I need to know? And then who can I go and seek counsel from? I, um, I, I really, that's so important. I mean, have you now in your 10 years, 11 years, fast forward, have you found yourself growing in community with other lawyers to be able to like really share in this space? I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that, how you've been able to find community and resonance with other female lawyers, not only on your podcast, but through your work. Absolutely. So I've been at Lawlin for 11 years, but I have not had the same job for 11 years. And throughout my evolution, I continued to learn what worked and didn't work for me. So I'll answer your first question first, which is that um, I still had a lot of work to be done. So when I first started, I was a program attorney. Basically, that meant that I was working side by side with lots of faculty lawyers, volunteer faculty lawyers who were looking to teach with law line for CLE courses, share their expertise, and also show the legal community the skills that they had so that they could create a community for themselves. I did that for um, three or four years before I ended up um, creating a whole new process for that department and then heading that department both from a content creation perspective, a faculty relationship perspective, and a production perspective. What I found during that time was that there were a lot of there were a lot of discussions. So this would be like 2012 to 2015. There were a lot of discussions around empowering more women lawyers, making sure that they had the same opportunities. I mean, we're still having those discussions, but it was kind of emerging during that time. And one of the things that I realized was that whenever a woman was put front and center, she was put front and center in discussions like how to be a female in the in a work place, you know, or, you know, what to do about parental leave, things like that, which are important. But what I decided was I want women to be front and center in corporate and securities programs. I want them to be front and center in oil and gas programs. There were so much, there was so much expertise that women were not being represented in these educational programs and women should be, and other women should be seeing that representation so that they can decide whether that's something that they want for themselves as well. So that was kind of one of my first learning experiences. And so I created a really big network of female attorneys just by virtue of me deciding like this was something that I wanted to see more representation of. As I moved forward into my career, I left the programming department and I became a VP level where I was focusing on business strategy, but specifically how content can move forward the business strategy, which ultimately led me to being the chief operating officer where I kind of took over everything. During that time, um, I also had two kids in the same year. They are not twins. <laughs> so, um, January just let that sink in for a minute. We'll yes. just let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so January 2018 to de- and December 2018, two different children. I love them so much, but very challenging time. Um, And during that time, I started to realize, you know, um, there wasn't a lot as much as, you know, we were still a small company, as much as the company had a lot to do to to help and support mothers, there was still a lot of confusion around what mothers should be doing to get financial support during that time. I realized that 
even with the maternity policy that I had at the time, it wasn't enough to support myself. I needed to get state benefits and things like that. So I focused very deeply on creating a community of women and documentation and processes and programming around helping women during an extremely difficult time figure out what they needed to do to get you know, short-term leave, potentially long-term leave, depending on your situation, how to work with your company to make sure that you're getting the right support and services. And through that process, I mean, I actually was able to institute a lot of change. In addition to that, um, after having the kids and doing all of that work in 2018 and 2019, then the pandemic hit. During that time, our CEO was in Barcelona. Um, and so I was running the company remotely, um, while my kids were at our house and it was locked down. Um, and frankly, during that time, I burnt out, burnt out really bad, um, had a lot of medical things that came up because of my burnout. And that was a huge pivotal moment for me where I decided I needed to do to ask myself those questions again, those same questions that I asked back when I was transitioning out of law, I had to ask myself again. And I don't want to talk too much because I feel like I'm talking no, this a lot. Is great but, because you're actually yeah. going into what I was going to ask you about. Yeah. I was going to ask you about how you've been able to navigate motherhood through this job because I yeah. know that you've taken different roles in Lawline along the way. And yeah. I just think because you're obviously about to get into it, but I just think it's so important that people hear it's okay to change and that the circumstances of your life are going to ebb and flow. And that is okay. It Absolutely. is okay. And it's okay to pivot. Everything is temporary. You know, like life looked one way when the kids were really small, life looked another way when you were super burned out. And, and the point of pivot is what am I no longer willing to tolerate? And what right. do I need to change to get me to where I want to go right now in this phase in my life? So I'd love if you would elaborate on this burnout phase and how you really address that. And then what you did going forward. Absolutely. Thank you. So, you know, as a reminder, I wanted to be a writer. And as a reminder, I transitioned out being like, I'm going to write, I'm going to create like this is a way and I felt like creating educational programs and writing about them and working alongside lawyers was a great way to do that. And then somehow I found myself to be the chief operating officer of Lawline. And so again, uh, the story I started telling myself was I, I'm advancing in my career. I'm taking on more responsibility. I'm able, I'm seeing the impact. I'm good at this. I am bringing in revenue. I'm bringing in new customers. I'm bringing in brand awareness. But all of a sudden I was again, very far removed from where I originally wanted to be. And so when I, and, and also when you grow in that way and you become a C-suite, um, there is like some ego around that. Um, and there is some a prestige that you apply to that. And you're like, well, I made it and I'm in a C-suite now. And that's it. That's very impressive. Look how impressive that is. Um, but that actually doesn't mean anything if it's not fulfilling. And so I was pushing through a job that I cared about very deeply. I care about law lines, still do, but I was doing it for the way wrong reasons. Um, and I did it again under the story that I had achieved a very like high um, title. I had achieved a lot of expertise on business and I was really good at it. And so therefore I should continue doing it. Um, and then when I burnt out, all of those bricks kind of fell. Um, that whole building fell down and it helped me better understand, okay, how did you get there? And what do you need to do again 
to get yourself on track to what you need to do. And so I took some time off. Luckily, again, Lawline's an incredible company that gave me all the time that I needed and all the support that I needed to reassess what I wanted to do. And I really did a lot of work to help me better understand what I looked like apart from my job and what value I could hold within myself that was not about my job at all. And that was hard work because all the way through law school, all the way through this career, I really created an an identity that was very tightly um, related to my profession. And I started to get more in touch again with writing and music and creating, and I was connecting with my children and my family more. And I wrote everything down and really started to think about how I could apply that and still stay at Lawline. And that's when I designed this chief storyteller role. And the chief storyteller role really came from the idea that I understood the business and the industry so well, um, and that there was a lot of room for Lawline to help tell its story to those to that to those individuals. So I designed this chief storytelling role, and I really thought deeply about how um, all my expertise, understanding the business, understanding the legal industry, understanding the legal education industry understanding what Lawline does and how I could help all of these individuals within this industry, attorneys primarily, um, how we could help and why we differentiate ourselves and not, and why being the key word here, right? Because it's very easy for an organization to be like, look what we do and look at how we do it. Look what we do, look at how we do it. But why we do it is what differentiates a lot of companies from each other And why we did it was not something people were understanding. To us at this organization, we care very deeply about the attorney's ability to provide access to justice to the client. We are here educating lawyers every single day because we believe that a better, a more educated attorney will represent their clients better. And we need lawyers to represent clients because clients need help. And so for us, that was the most important thing. That is what We need other people to understand. We also help that inform the way we develop products and features and content. And it is very focused and very meaningful for us. And I didn't feel like anyone saw us beyond a CLE company. Most people don't. You see CLE and you're like, I don't want to do that. But like there is more. And we are able to provide that for the people that value that. So that's how I just want to point out two things. First of all, I think it is so beautiful that the storyteller in you literally wrote your vision and then made it happen. Like you wrote your job, you create, you story told around the position that you wanted and you created it. I find that like so beautiful. Thank you. And the second thing is, is that what I want to point out is the fact that you allowed yourself to step back to get still and to get quiet and to reconnect with the things that you value the most, which then gave you the space and the creativity and the chance to actually listen to your intuition, because we already have all of the puzzle pieces we need to succeed. It's getting those puzzle pieces in the right arrangement to make our lives what we want them to be, but we can't figure out all that stuff unless we get quiet and still first. And so I think that that is just something so important to point out is that that is what happens. We think that if we stop that the entire house of cards is going to fall. 
But what actually ends up happening is when you stop and pause and get quiet, you actually can hear yourself and think clearly for the first time in a really long time and then see where it is you want to go. And then as you so beautifully did, you story told your own job. Like, that's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. And I want to emphasize that even that journey of stillness is hard, right? Like there are times where I would revert back to thinking that I knew was not healthy. And then I'd have to be like, no, 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 stop that. Or there'd be times where I would mourn um, and feel a little bad about myself about all of the the things that I had to endure in order to get to that place or, you know, in order to get to the, the burnt out stage. There were times where I was hearing various other opinions that were both hard to hear, but also I needed to hear because I needed to make sure that I was taking all of the things that I needed to take into consideration, even if I wasn't going to follow it ultimately. Um, but then there were really wonderful places where I was like, you're doing the work and it's it's all coming together. And yeah, ultimately it led me to designing this role. It led me to um, think deeply about how to u- leverage my expertise so I wasn't just providing a role that I wanted, but I was able to understand how the company could benefit from it and provide really real measures of success that the company could benefit from if they were met. And uh, of course, I also had a very incredible leader in the company who was had believed in me and had seen you know all the value that I'd brought over the years to the company. And so he was ready to take the next step with me in this evolution of my role. So what is the evolution of the chief storytelling officer look like? What does that role look like going forward? And what are you looking to create? What's your vision for that role? It's a great question. So when I first started out, uh, the chief storytelling role focused very deeply on creating relationships with various lawyers across the country that are exhibiting really incredible leadership. And I did that in order to create those relationships, to share their expertise, which further aligns with our mission and our why, and really help people understand who we are through the people that we're interviewing. Um, And that really was the first step of that. Since then, it's evolved a lot and continues to evolve. It now, it, it means really being in industry conferences and being really part of the learning and development community as it relates to lawyers. And so a lot of my work now focuses on attending these conferences, uh, creating thought leadership um, that I can then share at for different individuals and members of these organizations. But above and beyond that, it's not just about me. It's about empowering others within Lawline to be able to do the same. I am not the end-all, be-all expert on all things Lawline or all things learning and development. We have so many incredible people in this company that can share their expertise. And so my job is not only to storytell for Lawline as a whole or for myself as as an individual, but to empower others within the organization to do the same. So there's a lot of internal coaching work around storytelling that I help other individuals who've expressed an interest in doing that. Um, There is also a lot of internal communications and storytelling to help people understand the evolution of Lawline, help people understand our product, but more importantly, help understand the people that we're serving, our customers, the people, what their struggles are, and how we're helping them through that process. It's really important to get people um, to really understand their customer. And I think that that's something that every organization could really help 
um, be better at? I mean, it's one thing where you have the customer facing people. They, they should know, of course, right? The sales people, the customer support people, but the people that are developing the products, the people, the, the developers, you know, the people that are doing the accreditation, every single one of those people um, should be understanding our customer. And so it's very important that I provide a lot of internal communications and education around that, including stories about our customers, things that have happened. And then in addition to that, providing a lot of insights and industry insights around things. You know, what are people caring about these days? What kind of competencies are law, law firms looking at? You know, what is the trends that people are doing towards helping, you know, with wellness, with their with their lawyers? Um, what are lawyers doing to get more clients? Um, there's so much that's going on in the world. And sometimes you just need to hear it over and over again, various until all those puzzle pieces come together. And you as an individual know what you can share and how you could be better at your job. So it's not right away. So there's the internal. And then of course, the external, which is attending conferences, empowering other people to attend conferences, and then really starting the process of creating a lot of um, community-based discussions. So we've discussed this, Erin, a little bit about taking, you know, all of the faculty members and all of the podcast guests that we have, um, the women, the incredible women that I've interviewed, and starting to create a community around them and seeing how we can help each other and help further grow the prof- you know, the profession as well. Absolutely, and I think stories are where that happens. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, really the ethos of this podcast is bringing women like you on the show to tell their stories so people can hear and see themselves in a bit of that. And I truly think, especially when you, you know, gear these, this storytelling around your company and get everyone on the same page for a vision, that is when a company or a person becomes unstoppable, right? Like that is when you, when you, when you are clear in your vision and then the people who are surrounding and supporting you are clear and support that vision, then, you know, sky's the limit. And I think that that's basically what you're creating for Lawline. And that's just so exciting, girl. I love this. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. How can people connect with you and work with you if they want to learn more, not only about you and your podcast, obviously, the work that you're doing within the community, which I obviously community is the hill and I will die on. And what's going on with Lawline? How can people connect with you and get involved? Sure. I mean, the best way to connect with me, because I am just like you are, and I'm a huge, huge LinkedIn fan. So I am on LinkedIn every single day. I write on there. So definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Seagal Barnes on LinkedIn. So it will not be hard for you to find me. Um, in addition to that, I attend a lot of conferences. So I'll be attending um, both of the uh, NALP. I don't know if, if your listeners are uh, aware, but it's the National Association of Legal Placement Conferences. They have various ones throughout the year. And I attend a lot of them, the Professional Development Consortium, as well as the Association for Continuing Legal Education all amazing organizations. And I attend all of those conferences as well. So I can be found there. And then of course, you can always uh, email me as well. So I'm Seagal at lawline.com. Amazing. I have (laughs) loved our chat and I'm actually about to surprise you right now because I didn't even tell you about this fun segment that I've added on to the podcast, but you're a go with the flow girl. So, and you're a storyteller. So I know you'll have no problem with this. Let's do so it. I've added on this segment to the podcast because I honestly, just as moms and women and lawyers, we just need to laugh more at yeah. ourselves. I mean, we are in a very serious pr- profession and I think we honestly have this um, uncanny ability to, even when we mess up and it's funny, we still beat ourselves up. Yes. 
<laughs> so true. You know, we're like, why are you doing that? Like you look dumb, right? Like mm-hmm. we then beat ourselves up for doing something like that. But I have decided that we need to laugh. It's the Agreed. legally blonde moment. I went to law school. Elle Woods was coming out strong. I fell out of my chair the first day of contracts class. So like <laughs> I have this moment like totally on lockdown. But I would love if you would share a legally blonde moment with our viewers, one that you're comfortable sharing or just something funny that's happened in mom life, lawyer life, work life. I mean, I don't know about you, but funny stuff happens on the daily, especially just with the craziness of life. So I'd love if you'd share something with our listeners. Sure. Um, There are so many, but I think the one that just comes up for me because we were just talking about conferences is I was speaking at a conference over the summer and it was uh, a bunch of people in the room. I mean, probably the most people that I have spoken to in an entire room. So I was pretty nervous and I walked up on stage and I could not find the clicker. <laughs> and so I'm standing there in front of the screen because uh, they had a screen on the floor that you could look at. And I was like, took a breath and I looked out and I was like, and people were like ready for me to start talking. And I was like, can someone help me with the clicker? <laughs> I need help. I can talk, but technology is not where I shine. It's not. Apparently not. Um, And then someone had to like run up on the stage and be like, oh, it's over here. And then the clicker had like seven buttons. And I was like, what clicker has seven buttons? Like there should be one. There should be one, maybe two if you want to go forward and backward. Um, And so I was just kind of fumbling, but I did regain my composure. And I think that the the talk went really well, but that was definitely a legally blonde moment. I'm so proud of you for recovering though. Cause like sometimes in front of that many people, like that can totally like shake your confidence. But then there's also the point of like, well, we might as well just laugh because it's either like laugh or cry when you're standing in front of this many people. So you might as well just get, I mean, and humor eases all tension. Totally. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually did. I laughed. Everyone else laughed. Um, and then I kind of did that deep breath and kind of grounded myself and then l- let's begin. Now it's funny because a lot of the times um, I kind of black out. Like after I, I talk, like I talk, I'm like, I have no idea what I just said, but I think it went well. Um, but <laughs> but I actually remember this talk and I think maybe part of that grounding exercise at the beginning after that happened kind of helped me stay grounded all the way through. So. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe that's something you can implement going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my friend, this has been such a treat. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. So many good nuggets in here, but I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. you. Thank you, Erin, so much. All right. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, y'all. Thank you so much for listening into the Powerhouse Lawyers podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you loved this episode, I would be so honored if you left a review. And because I know you are the type of woman who wants to see other women win, be sure to share this episode with someone who needs it. By sharing it, you are empowering a fellow sister in the law to know that she is not alone, that there is nothing wrong with her, and that she can build a life and career that she loves. Thank you. See you next week.